The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. We're going to be in a couple of passages today. Uh, I was started preaching through the book of Romans last week. And the first half of the book of uh, chapter 1 of Romans is really exciting to me. It's that passage that uh, Paul announces who he is and what he's going to do. And he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And he is, uh, I've, that's been my life verse that I've uh, used uh, in many, many times speaking. And also, you know, it's on my desk and it's, it's, uh, it's something I've memorized in my heart. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God for salvation. And then you get in the second half of that book and things get real serious real quick. You see some things that are going on in this world that the Apostle Paul is writing about that you see in this world that we live in right now. And you know that something has gone wrong with mankind. And we'll go back to Genesis chapter 3 in just a little bit and talk about that. There's times when we know that things have gone wrong and something is broken. Karen and I have moved several times in ministry. We uh, started off, our first job was in Arkansas and um, they packed us up. This I never, I didn't know this was possible. We graduated seminary uh, in July, and uh, the state convention of Arkansas sent a truck to pack us up in our apartment and paid for it and took it all the way to the house. And we had all these nice little neat boxes that were um, that were put in the house for us. I thought that was amazing, but we didn't do the packing. Somebody else packed it for us. Then we moved from Arkansas into Florida, and things got a little more complicated in that particular move. When we went, uh, we moved from Arkadelphia to Tallahassee, and that's a pretty good distance uh, to move. They came into the house, they packed things up, they uh, would go through the kitchen, and grab every glass that, that you're taking with you would be wrapped in paper, and it would be put into a container. And that container would be a, a wooden, or I'm sorry, a cardboard box that would be nice and strong that would protect that. So everything in this house, and we had grown as a family quite a bit between uh, the beginning of the first move and the second move. We had three kids. Uh, we had um, at least at least one dog, if, if that all ran off by then. Uh, and we had a cat. And uh, we decided we were going to move the um, the boat and the and the cat behind our suburban all together going on down to, uh, to Tallahassee. I made the mistake of thinking that that ride in that boat would have been a smooth ride, and I put the cat in the cage uh, in, the, in the back of the, of the boat, and uh, when I made the first stop in South Arkansas, I went back and looked at him. The cat was so car sick, he was almost dead. He had been bouncing and waving, and I want to tell you, that cat held a grudge against me for a long, long time after that. Put him in the in the uh, suburban later on, and we um, and we uh, kind of took care of him the rest of the trip. When we got to Tallahassee, you would, uh, we got the boxes, and some boxes you don't get to very quick. You may unwrap all the things from the kitchen that you know that you need, or maybe the clothes that you're going to wear, but all the decorations and things like that don't come out of the boxes as quick. And some may, may never make it out of the box. Some of them remain in the attic and get moved to the next place later on. But when you open that box up and you unwrap that little paper, that's when you could tell if 
the product, if the item from the household made it safe or not. And you would unwrap that paper and look, and that vase was broken. And that's, that's when you knew. When you opened it up and looked at it, you knew that it was broken. Today we're going to talk about some things that are broken. And our relationship with God from the beginning has been strained because of Adam and Eve and the choices they made in the garden. We know that people live sinful lives. And today it's not as hard for us to tell that things are broken. I can go and turn on the TV. I don't have cable anymore. Guess what? It's not just cable that shows all the, the brokenness of the world. Just regular air TV shows it. I flip it on our local uh, NBC station, the news comes up, and right there I know that the world's broken from the stories that are told. I get alerts on my phone almost all day, every day. Something like this, it will say, it'll pop up, make a little noise, and it'll say, murder suspect caught on 3rd Street in Alexandria. Something. It's always something. We know the world's, when I pick it up, look at that phone, that's when I know the world's broken. That's when I know. Let's go to Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. We're not going to go through the whole book, but we're going to look at part of this because we see the beginning of when all this uh, begins to fall apart. Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say to you, You must not eat from any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. So they had a clear directive from the Father on how to behave, how to live, the things that you should do on a, to take care of yourselves on a, on a daily basis. And the enemy, the devil, inserts himself into our life, and he says... Uh, did God really say that? Did God really say that's wrong? Or did you just kind of imagine that? Verse 4, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the, to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. Now we have in our mind, because what we have been taught, what we've seen uh, depicted in art, that that's an apple. Could have been any kind of fruit. Uh, I'm going to say it's a persimmon today. Because persimmons are getting ripe, aren't they? They're starting to ripen up. I'm not even sure what you do with a persimmon. I had someone call me that had persimmons in their backyard. For some reason they thought I'd be the kind of person to know what a persimmon is used for. Uh, I, all I know is if you bite them when they're still green, you pay for it. If you bite them when they're ripened, they're a sweet fruit. Let's say this is a persimmon. And he, they took a bite of this persimmon, and suddenly it was a green one. They realized they had done wrong. They had done wrong. They had sinned in the sight of God. Okay, verse 6, when a woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man 
and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to not eat from? And the man said, that woman there you gave me. And that was my words. He tried to blame her, blame someone else for his choices. She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust in all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, because you have listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat fruit from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. And by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, you are and to dust you will return. Now we know the, um, that that story is the beginning of struggle for mankind. There's a, there are a group of people that will say to you that we are born sinful, that our very flesh is sinful the moment that we are born. But we as evangelicals, those that, uh, that it would be typically Baptists and those that believe like us, our understanding of this passage tells us that we are born with the propensity to sin. That means we're not born sinful in flesh, but we're probably going to. We're going to be in a situation where we are given the choice to choose right or wrong, and we'll choose wrong. We have the propensity to sin. So every person you see in this room, every person you know on the street, every uh, person you may meet in the future have known in the past, they have been given the option to choose yes or no, right or wrong, and they have chosen wrong at some point in their life. They may have chosen to be selfish. They may have chosen to be uh, greedy. They may have chosen to be uh, lustful. They may have, what? There's so many things they could have had the opportunity to choose, and they chose to sin. And that sin has separated us from God. Now, being a, a Bible-believing congregation that's been preached to for uh, anywhere probably for some of us up to 70 years, we know this story. We know that there was a brokenness that happened. So just like when we opened up that box, looked at that glass, uh, after we unwrapped the paper, we saw that it was cracked. At that moment, we knew that it was broken. You know the world is broken. You know the heart of man is broken. The thinking of mankind is broken. The acting of mankind is broken. 
in discipleship, we use the, the head and the heart and the hands to teach about how to, how to love the Lord and know the Lord and act out the Word. But I want to tell you that what I see in the state of the world and what you see in the state of the world is that there are people with broken hands. And that I mean that they are doing things, acting out on sin, choices of rebellion that's obvious. And when you see it, you know it's broken, what they're doing. And there are people that their head, their mind, their way of thinking is broken. Because they just think a way that is counterintuitive to what uh, God is teaching us in Scripture. They make choices. Not only do they make, do they make choices, they lobby for, not only do they lobby for, they would possibly die for a belief that is counter what the, the truth tells us in Scripture. That's the opposite of that. I choose, this is what, this is what they would say, I choose to believe that I have the right to do whatever I want to, whenever I want to, for my own pleasure. That's the sinful man. That's someone who's thinking, thinking has gone wrong. And when your hands do things, and when your head does things, your heart becomes those things. And then you have a broken heart. Let's turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And after Paul introduced to us who he was and talked about his passion for the gospel, the truth, I'll go back and look at that just for a second before I go to this pastor we're going to deal with today. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And by the way, he's about to tell us this very difficult passage because he's going to lay out for us in this entire book what it means to be lost and then found and redeemed and born again. So that's what we're going to get in the book of Romans. But he's going to get us lost before he gets us found. The salvation is for everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now I want you to do this when I read this passage. This is a difficult passage to preach, by the way, because you don't know who is in this church when you get ready to preach this. And there's some very R-plus rated discussions about to happen. Okay, he's going to bring some things out. You may have children in the room, so I'm going to be very sanitized in how I, I, I tell this, this, these illustrations. But that doesn't take away from the fact that the world is truly broken. And sinful. So think through what is broken in each sentence. Are the hand, is the hand broken? Is the head broken? Is the heart broken? Verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So that's an action. It's a hand. They're suppressing the truth. Since what may be known to them about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature, have been clearly seen, 
being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. You can see the grandness, the greatness, the intricacy of the creation of God just by observing, just by looking and listening. You know, uh, when I hunted, when I hunt in Texas for deer, it's like shopping. The part of Texas we have, it's in, it's, uh, it, it's a ranch down in Southwest Texas. There's, there's more deer than there are crows. That's the kind of place it is. You go out there, you sit in the stand, you kind of pick out the one you want, and then you shoot it. When I started hunting public land in Louisiana, uh, it's a little harder. It's a little work. First of all, you got trees, so you can't see them. There's bushes everywhere. So that meant you spent a lot more time out there. And then spending all the time out there, uh, there's probably nothing better. This is for, uh, not, may not relate to everybody, but there's nothing better than when the sun's just about to come up and squirrels start rustling in the, in the leaves. Then you can hear a, a crow kind of somewhere off in the distance calling. And then some, some other sound comes from somewhere else. And one particular stand that I had, um, red birds would come in. And they'd fly in from all over the place and land on the ground and eat all my corn. And you see God at work. And those 30 minutes to an hour, probably the best 30 minutes to an hour of the day. Because God has revealed his intricacy, his love, his, his beauty is revealed right there in front of you. Now you can see that in almost any part of life you've lived. Maybe uh, driving down the road, you might see it with your children. You see God at work. You see him. There's no excuse for people who say there is no God because he's revealed himself. He reveals himself in miracles. I have uh, two miracles I've heard in the, uh, the last 48 hours of football players and colleges in this state that had broken something on the field. Uh, one was a leg, one was a, 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 a spinal column crack of some kind. And they were got to the hospital and revealed nothing. No brokenness. They were, they were healed. You see the act of God all the time. He's working around us all the time. So he's, he's revealing himself to the people that are rebelling against him. Verse 21, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. So they didn't use their mouth to glorify him. They didn't thank him in their heart and head. Their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. So there you have the hearts and the, and the minds. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human being, uh, uh, mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. All throughout history, cultures have shaped little items, wood, clay, whatever they could find. They could shape them into uh, what looked like a, a human or what they thought God looked like, and they would place them in a prominent place in their house, and they would worship the item they created. Now, as you've, I've studied all this back when I, I didn't have anything. In seminary, uh, it was tough times. Uh, there was uh, probably several months I went with my um, head gasket blown on my truck because I couldn't afford to get it fixed, so I was catching rides for, for several months. Didn't have a thing. 
Now that I've got things, I know that there are things that we have that we set up in this high esteemed position in our life and our family and, and virtually worship them. Because it's our uh, sinful nature to honor something other than God. Now, I'm not going to list those out because I might step on toes and hurt people's feelings. But um, all kinds of toys that we, we set up there and make God-like characters. Now, verse 24. <clears throat> Therefore, God gave them over in sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. This is that part I want you to kind of read into. Okay, I want you to just, you know, you know what the scripture is talking about. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over their shameful lust. Even the women exchanged natural sexual relations for, for uh, unnatural ones. In the same way, the men had also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind. Their hands, their actions, led to that natural digression to depraved mind. The way that they act, the mind trying to justify it, their hearts are darkened. So they do not do what ought to be done. Verse 29, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, every, uh, with evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy and murder and strife and deceit, and malice. They are gossips and slanderers. Well, this is tough words, isn't it? You know, when all this is happening, that's when I knew it was that we were broken. When we see this thing, these things happen around us, we know the world's broken. Thursday, we drove to New Orleans again. We're always down there, seems like, and uh, in the course of um, checking out the hotel the next morning, two of the ladies at the counter were talking, did you hear what happened? I believe it was a 14 and 15 year old girl carjacked a grandmother and killed her and took her car away from her. That happened Thursday night. It happens almost every time I'm there. Something like that. That kind of thing happens here too, by the way. Now, maybe not that severe, but things that are sinful, that are obviously um, brokenness in the world. <clears throat> 30. Slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no mercy. When you read this, you know the world's broken. It's broken. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Feels like a whole lot of bad news, doesn't it? You read this word, it makes us look at the world thinking, 
What in the world is going to happen to these people? I want to tell you, some of them are going to die from their choices. They're going to choose to be sinful. They're going to choose to be reckless and rebellious. They're going to make uh, statements about God or reject God. They're going, to, they're going to put themselves on a path that's going to lead to death. But some of them are going to find God. You know, I know this is true because we have people that were broken, that are fallen, that are all throughout Scripture, that are examples to us as the patriarchs and matriarchs of our faith. Can you think of one? Moses. Moses was a murderer. Buried the Egyptian in the sand, ran off, came back and delivered the people of God. God used him. God used that murderer. So Moses had a broken life. He had broken heart, broken hands. Then we had David. We know what David did on the rooftop of that palace, looking down, saw Bathsheba. David committed adultery, arranged for the murder of her husband. Yet God still used him. He restored him. We have Ruth. Now, Ruth may not have chosen her situation she was in, but she was there broken with a broken heart, widowed, in poverty, and God used her. He used her, the broken woman. Then we had Peter. Peter denied Jesus. He said, I don't know him. I don't know him. But God still used Peter. He uses broken people. I have all kinds of art in our house. Karen, Karen has been a sculptor and um, works with ceramics. And of that art, probably my favorite piece. By the way, we I, I like it's a tie. There, there's the these two bronze hands that are um, supposed to be the the hands of God. And I placed a little globe in it, holding the world. He's got the whole world in his hands. That was only funny to me at the time. Um, like It was like a little song right there in the, in the office. And then she has this pot that was broken uh, in the process of making it. So she decided to make something of it and and uh, poke little holes in it and took leather and sewed, all the, sewed the whole pot back together. Now this thing, uh, was it was baked or put in the kiln and fired and had the little holes she made it look right and it sits in my office as well and it's to remind me that beautiful things can come from the broken things on um, one of my social media accounts you give a description of yourself I, I write I like to upcycle Upcycle is a fancy word for being a dumpster diver. Don't throw a bicycle away in my my neighborhood because I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to pick it up and take it to the house and for about three years do nothing with it. But eventually put new tires on it and, um, and fix the cables, get it rolling again and give it away to somebody. Because I know that that's what God did with me. Takes the broken, 
and makes them new. He restores them and they become useful. So after all this um, talk about art over these years, only about a year or two ago, I discovered this um, ancient art form, Japanese art form called kintsugi, and you've probably had somebody talk to you about that before. But they will take a broken vase or a broken dish or plate and lay that out and essentially glue the piece back together with gold. So you have a plate that's been destroyed, that's been remolded with all the cracks being gold. And that product becomes more valuable than it was to begin with. (coughs) That's you and me. Because of what we're going to read in the rest of this book, all all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're going to read those words throughout this, this book. We're going, to be able, we're going to be able to see ourselves as that kintsugi vase that was broken but now beautiful. So when you read Genesis 3... You see that the world is away from God, rebelled against him. You read Romans 1, you see how how much worse it got. It didn't stay the same, it just kept getting worse. And you live today, in 2023, and you look outside this building, it's gotten worse. The fallenness is pervasive. But there is hope in Jesus. And I can stand here and tell you stories every week of people I've heard, people I know that have led someone to become this restored vase in Jesus. Happens every day. The lost gets found. The broken get mended. That's what we're praying for these folks that we know that are broken is they get mended and used by God. Let's pray. Father, we have people that we know right now in our lives. They're broken. There may be somebody in this room that's broken and they're sinful and they've made choices with their hands and with their mind and with their heart. Father, they've rebelled against you and they spoke uh, bad about you and about your ways and they're Their heart is leaning toward evil. And I pray that they would find Jesus today. And they would be healed and mended and made new. And Lord, that that invitation remains open longer than this few minutes that we stand up here and sing. But that invitation is open daily, night and day. They know they can turn to you. Any place, any time, in the face of any temptation, they can turn to you. You tell us in your scripture to to resist the devil and he will flee. And I pray that you give them strength to resist evil. That the enemy would flee from them. Father, we're about to gather together in a fellowship meal. And Lord, we rejoice being the mended. And I pray that you bless that food and that time together. That it would be a fellowship in you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name.
Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about the church, including contact information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.